Genesis chapter number uh, 41, I want to read a couple of verses there, verse uh, 51 and 52. Joseph is uh, naming his two boys, and he's doing it in the spirit of what he has faced. Joseph hadn't had a picnic while he's in Egypt. Understand, he's a real man in a real world. And he knows what pain and heartache is all about. It's when we see ourselves in light of these examples and examples that we get help. Because as they live life, so you and I have to live life. Notice what he says in verse 51. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. He's been hurting, you can tell. And then in verse number 52, in the name of the second, called he Ephraim. Now he just thought he was over it with the firstborn, but obviously he's still bearing some of it with the secondborn. And he called his name Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And then I'd like to go over to Psalm 105 and read a verse or two. Verse number 17. And he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. And the king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. I want to emphasize, as I have been, those golden truths that sustained and strengthened, yea, even carried Joseph throughout his life. But those truths are still genuine and real and applicable in our lives today, those divine truths that can still carry us in this hour. And by the way, living in this old world, you're going to need some truth. And I'm glad Jesus is the heart of all truth. He is the truth. And he gives us those truths to live by. We talked about the truth of thanking that that, uh, Joseph embraced. We talked about the truth of waiting that uh, Joseph embraced. But I want to go a step further tonight and I I want to preach on this subject, suffering that saves. Suffering that saves. We're noticing how that Joseph not only suffers, but he embraces this suffering and he allows God to work in and work out of this suffering. And from the text that I have read, and there'll be another section that I'll read to you, we understand that Joseph suffered mentally. You can feel it as he named his children. He suffered emotionally. He suffered physically, the Bible said. They bound him with fetters, and they hurt him. And of course, no doubt, he suffered spiritually or in spirit. He's a man that knew what suffering was all about. I'm thinking about Philippians chapter number 1 and verse number 29. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, 
but also to suffer for his sake. Did you realize that of the many gifts that God gave his church, gave his bride, gave his children, that one of those gifts was the gift, think about this, the gift of suffering. If B. Meyer said the love of God in Jesus Christ could only be displayed through suffering. And the love of God today can only be displayed or display itself and work out its higher purposes through the suffering of God's children. Jesus was our gift in his suffering. Joseph had been given a gift and it is called suffering. And if you are a child of God, there is an allotted and an allotment of suffering for all of God's children because anywhere there's going to be any saving, preceding that saving, there will be a measure of suffering. That's the way that God works. And it's illustrated sitting here tonight in this congregation by everybody that is present. Your life and my life brought and birthed into this world came to pass because somebody went to the doors of death and suffered to give you your life. And of course that was your mother and that was my mother. I'm talking about suffering. Yes, suffering. The very gift of suffering that God uses to do some saving in our lives and for the lives of others. And if you want to see the measure of saving that God does out of suffering, just look, as the song says, at Calvary. And no man ever suffered, no man ever bore uh, the pain and uh, the iniquity of this old world like Jesus did. No man ever suffered. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. But yet no man ever saved like he saved because of his suffering. And understand if God is giving you a measure of suffering, a gift, can I say, it is because he will bring out of that a measure of saving or salvation. Now there are three or four things that I want to say about this suffering that saves. I want to go back a chapter, if you will, chapter number 40 in the book of Genesis. Joseph has been put in prison. And while he's in prison, the butler and the baker of the king have displeased him and they also have been put in that gloomy place. And I want us to look in verse number 6. Joseph, the Bible said, And Joseph came in unto them, talking about these two men, the butler and the baker, in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they we're sad. Here's two men that have lost their place, their position. As far as the king is concerned and are placed in this, this prison, they are bewildered. They have had dreams that have confused them. They are disheartened and plumb broken. And Joseph is able just to walk into their presence. He's able to just pass in their presence and automatically detect that there's something wrong. And he says to them, as he looks upon them, why are ye so sad? Now how could he do that? 
Why did he know that there was something wrong? Can I suggest to you, Joseph had already sat where they sat. He had no doubt felt what they were feeling. And he no doubt had within his heart had that same feeling of bewilderment and confusion as he is put in prison and the cell door is closed. And so as a result, he was able to detect and depict that somebody else was going through what he had been through. Somebody else was feeling what he had felt. In other words, he could recognize suffering because he had suffered. It caused him to remember his own suffering. And then, thank God, he was able to render a ministry to those who were suffering and had suffered in like manner. I like what 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we comfort ourselves are comforted of God. In other words, God allowing you to suffer so you can minister to somebody else that is suffering. And here's the thought that I want you to see and to understand. In this matter of suffering that saves, I want you to see how that suffering allows you it allows you to enter in to somebody else's world. While many others may have come into the presence of these men, they probably just passed it by. Maybe they just said something very lightly. And maybe they just uh, jokingly said, Why don't you liven up, boys? It ain't that bad. Suck it up. We all have to go through this. But that would have been those that hadn't felt what they had felt. Those who had never sat where they were sitting. But Joseph could not do that. And he would not do that. Because he has experienced what they have experienced. He's able to express what they need expressed unto them. And so therefore he is able. God has prepared him. God has worked with him in this, in this manner of suffering so that he is able to walk into the world of someone who is suffering just like he suffered. And understand in this old world, there are going to be Many others, no matter what you're suffering, many others who are suffering as you suffer. But isn't it amazing how that God will prepare one person to minister to another person? Because that other person needs somebody. Not just those with shallow words. But somebody, not even those who want, and we all want to be kind. And how many times as a preacher have I went into circumstances and situations and the best I could do was listen because I didn't know anything about what those people were going through. I had enough wisdom to know that I had not been equipped to minister to those people on the level that they needed ministered to. But yet I have rejoiced in my heart many times to see someone else come into their presence at the same time that I was there who knew exactly what they were going through 
And how that those butlers and bakers, those who are sitting in their own bewilderment, realized that the person who came to see them had been there and there was an embracing and there was a, a ministering that went through, uh, was, was able to be exchanged because somebody had already been there and knew where you were at. Suffering, suffering saves. But I'm going to tell you the reason why it does is it's the only thing that would allow you to step in and enter into somebody else's world. Suffering, suffering. Understand this and listen to the way I'm saying it. Suffering is the only thing in this world that can identify and recognize when someone else is suffering. And that's why we have not a great high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was tempted in all manner like as we are yet without sin. Honey, ain't no matter what time you go to him, he knows what you're going through because he came into this world to experience life as you experience life. And what a blessing it was, what a blessing it was for these two men and that God sent a man, God sent Joseph who knew the circumstances to walk right into their world. In other words, no matter what you're suffering from, God is preparing you for somebody else that is suffering. This world needs comforting with the same comfort whereby God has comforted you. I'm talking about suffering that saves. The second thing that I would say to you about this matter of suffering that Joseph went through, the suffering that God has given to you and I as a gift, it not only allows us to enter into someone else's world, But suffering has that undeniable ability of letting someone else enter into your world. Now think about it for a moment here. Why is it that we know Joseph like we know Joseph? How come that as I preach on Joseph so many times, people will come to me and I can't tell you how many times that they've said to me, you know, Joseph is my favorite character in the Bible. He's one of the more prominent, well-known characters in the Bible. But it's not because he was a prime minister. It's not because he became a ruler. It's not because his daddy made him a coat of many colors. I'm going to tell you the reason why we know so much about Joseph, we know because of his suffering. In other words, it was his suffering that immortalized him even to this hour. And the only reason why I'm preaching on him tonight is because of his suffering. What is it that's so special about the book of Job that we understand so much about his life? It is his, not because he had ten children, not because he was so wise, not because he was so wealthy. It was because of his suffering. Why is it that we preach so much about Christ? It's not because he could walk on the water. It's not because he could break bread and feed the multitudes. No, the reason why we preach so much about Christ is because of his suffering. If you took the suffering out of Joseph's life, we wouldn't know anything about it. If you took the suffering out of Job's life, we wouldn't even know anything about it. And if you took the suffering out of Christ there wouldn't be any salvation. That's the reason why we know these men. It's because of their suffering. And their suffering has allowed, I mean, so many to come in and to see them like they would have never been seen before, allowing others. And I'm going to say to you, I'm going to tell you, you may not be known that well, but when suffering comes your way, others are going to hear about you. They're going to 
want to know about you and they're going to get introduced to you because of the suffering that you're going through. And that's God's method of introducing others to himself because when they walk into your world and they watch you suffer with God and suffer for God, it points them to God. And I'm going to tell you, they see you in a better way. They see you in a fuller way, but they see you in a blessed way because it's in the midst of your suffering. They see God. It allows others to walk into your world. I was thinking about several, several years ago. I think the darkest time, and my wife would agree with this, in our lives had taken place, and I won't go into the details. I can remember on one Sunday morning, we had a visiting preacher just drop in, he and his wife, who had been vacating in the area. And he said, I told my wife, let's just go by and fellowship with Brother Dana and hear him preach, not knowing anything. He came in and after the service, the wife fixed a sumptuous meal. We fellowshiped at the house. But you know, when your heart is crushed, it just shows on your face. And uh, we began to share with him, weeping what we were going through. But yet we noticed that there was just something about him and his wife as they broke down and began to weep also. Now, we had already made up our mind. We were sort of bitter about the situation, and we had already decided on what we were going to do about the situation. And I remember looking into that gentleman's eyes with those tears, coming to find out that seven years before, he and his wife had went through exactly... What we were going through and God Almighty knew it and sent him into our world. And here's what he said. He said, preacher, I can't tell you what to do, but he said, I can tell you what not to do. And everything he told me not to do, we'd been planning on doing. And I don't know where I would be if I'd have done what I was planning on doing. But I was so glad that God allowed somebody to see what was going on in my heart and in my life and to come into my world and to minister unto me. Letting others, I say to you, you're able through suffering to step into somebody else's world. But through suffering, the door is opened up to let others come into your world that they can see more fully who you are and then see more fully who God is. I thought about Horatio Spafford and the loss of his two daughters at sea. And out of it came, it is well with my soul. We wouldn't have known anything about him and wouldn't have known that song had it not been for suffering. I think about Fanny Crosby who wrote over 8,000 hymns and she was blind. But had it not been for her blindness, I doubt we'd have had the hymns that we sing blessed assurance Jesus, think about that. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine came out of suffering. And think about the cross, thank God, and how much we know about Jesus and how much he has pointed us toward the Father and everything we know, we know because of suffering. It has allowed us to go in. It does allow us to go in. He walks right in. He walks right into the presence and into the world and into the lives of those two men who are suffering. But yet, because of his suffering, all of us have been able to walk right into his world and his life to see more of him, which allows us to see, as I say, more of God. If the Lord is allowing you to suffer, he's allowing others to look. They're looking. 
and they're looking more intently than they ever did before. And they're just, I mean, how many times, how many times have we read Joseph's story? And I'm going to tell you, you just can't read it enough. And you just, you look more and more and more intently. How many times have we read the book of Job, but yet we can't get enough and we just keep looking at this man and wondering. But every time it seems to point us toward God, God using our suffering to point us to himself. Suffering allows others to come into your world. There's a man out in Mississippi, Tim Wilder is his name. He wouldn't mind me telling you. Matter of fact, he said I could. I had known Brother Tim for many years but didn't know much about it. I knew that he was a timber man, cut trees, sold timber, and also a, a woodsman in carving things of that nature. He built a, uh, a log house out there for preachers like me and evangelists and missionaries to stay in, their families as they came through. And so uh, I had, uh, through just lightly knowing him, appreciated his life. But about uh, two years ago, they found out he had a brain tumor. They went in and they had to go so deep for that brain tumor. He had no uh, physical functions when they got done. As a matter of fact, they didn't even know that uh, if, he, if he was able to even think. He just had a blank look on his face. And uh, so they dismissed him after a while and sent him home to die. His wife was there as I discussed it with her and heard him testify in that service a few weeks ago and it blew me away. And uh, he said, Preacher, they brought me home and they put me in a recliner and they didn't think that there was anything going on in his mind. No functions at all. He said they couldn't lay me down because of the surgery. And he said, I sat there in that big living room with those windows where you could see the stars, but he said there wasn't nothing going on inside of my head. He said my head was empty. He said I'd worked with trees all my life, Brother Ralph, and he said I couldn't tell you what a tree was. He said there was no form of communication in my head. He said there was not a word, not one single word. But yet he said I was aware. And somehow, and I'm going to tell you something, lets me know that this matter of knowing God has more to do with the spirit than it does the intellect. And he said, but somehow within me, my heart was reaching up for God. He said, I'd memorized many verses throughout my life, taught Sunday school. But he said, I didn't have a verse. He didn't said I didn't have a word. He said, not a word, not even the word tree. I had no word in there but he said my spirit somehow was crying out and he said what my spirit was saying to God is would you give me one word would you bring into this old dark room and he said that's what it was a dark room oh how he was suffering he said I suffered it was so dark in that room and he said it seemed like the only one in there was the devil and all the darkness not one word and he said, they told me for 17 days I sat in that recliner and I stared up. But he said, my spirit was saying, God, give me one word. Give me one word. And he said, one night I was looking out on one of those windows up there. And he said, the first thought that came to my mind, the first thing that my, my, my eyes, he said, first thing my eyes had focused on since that surgery was a star, a bright star. Only time my, my eyes had focused. And he said, I saw that star. And he said, I got my first word. He said, God spoke to me my first word. And it's the only word he had for a good while. He said, here's what God said to me. I am that I am. Woo! I heard him testify about that. I had to sit down with him. I said, you mean to tell me there wasn't no other words in your head? He said, I had nothing in there. But he said, I knew God had spoke. 
And he said, I am that I am. And while he was testifying, he raised his hand and shouted. He still can't speak plain, and he still got cancer. But I'm going to tell you, God has opened his world up in a ministry out there in Mississippi just through that suffering. But he said, just think about it, with brokenness, he said, God said the same thing to me that he said to Moses. And I said, yeah, and I believe it probably meant as much to you as it did, Moses. Would you imagine, could you imagine that? Matter of fact, I got to thinking about it. I don't guess it'd be half bad if God took everything out of my head except I am that I am and he said when when he got the I am that I am and he saw that star he said preacher it was all I needed it was enough he said if I'd have died with I am that I am it was enough hallelujah I'm here to tell you that old boy got big in my heart that old boy I'm telling you swelled up in my soul and the reason why it did is because of what he had suffered through and it allowed me to come into his world and not only see his suffering but to see the Savior. Hallelujah. Suffering that saves. It is suffering that allows you to enter into someone else's world and it is suffering that allows someone else to enter into your world. But the third thing that I want to say to you is this truth. In this matter of suffering, it allows, it allows suffering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Suffering is really the only thing that will allow us to enter into his world. Now, we often pray and agonize with God and want him to feel what we feel. And he does. But did you ever think about it that there may be those times when he wants you to feel what he feels? And I know that is so because Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and how? The fellowship of his suffering. Now, those who study the scriptures say, and I believe it to be so, that Joseph is the greatest type of Christ in the Bible in over 100 ways. And I want to ask you, what is it that made Joseph so much like Jesus? And the answer is so simple. It was his suffering that made him like Jesus. And if you took all the suffering out of Joseph's life, there would be no recognition of Christ there. But with that suffering, I say to you, with that suffering, he was conformed into the very image of Christ. And it allowed him to be like Christ. And can I say to you that it is suffering in our lives, a measure of suffering that will conform us and will transform us into the likeness of Christ more than anything else. That I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Now, The word fellowship has the idea of two fellows in a ship having the same thing in common. That's what fellowship is. Two fellows in the same ship having one thing in common. And that word fellowship that Paul is talking about in relationship to Christ, what he's simply saying there is, is that the only way that you can really fellowship with Christ is to fellowship with Him on the level of suffering. Now think about this. God has blessed us 
with many things that Jesus did not have in this world. In other words, he has given to you what he did not give to himself. He said the, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And so that being true, there's no way you could fellowship with Jesus over the house you live in. You might want to come to him and thank him for it because he's blessed you. And you should thank him for it. But you can't fellowship with him because he never had a house in this world. In other words, he would have to say to you, well, I'm glad you've got it and I've blessed you with it, but I never had one of those. I can't, I can't fellowship with you there. And that ventures out on all levels of life. I mean, think about your vehicle. Think about your family. Think about all of those things that God has blessed you with that you can't fellowship with him with because he did not allow himself to have those things. But isn't it amazing that in those hours such as Joseph had when he suffered, that on those three or four occasions that the Bible said, but the Lord was with Joseph. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to sense Jesus, you embrace. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to go out of here and ask the Lord to hurt you. That would be a little bit foolish. But yet, if you live in this world, there's going to be some hurt. And uh, instead of getting bitter and grumpy and, and all of those things, if somehow you can thank God and embrace that suffering and use it for his glory, you can feel his presence in the midst of your suffering. Because when you go to him and say, Lord, I've been rejected, he'll sit down with you and say, I know what you're talking about. I've been rejected. Lord, I'm a suffering. He'll say, I know what you're talking about. I had to suffer in this old world. Lord, I'm sitting in times of darkness. He'll say, I know what you're talking about. I hung on the cross in times of darkness. Lord, it feels like God's a million miles away. He said, I know what you're talking about. When I was hanging on the cross, it seemed like the Father was a million miles away. I know where you're at because I have been there. And it allows us nothing, nothing, nothing will allow you to, to enter into his world any more than embracing the suffering that he's allowed for your life so that you and he can truly have something in common as you fellowship and you are able to enter in to his world. I love to illustrate this thought. may have done it here before, I don't know. But back when I pastored, uh, me and the wife used to do some interior decorating. That's painting and hanging wallpaper. But if you put a fancy name with it, you can charge a little more. And uh, I can remember early on, taking uh, the paint chart to the hardware store. And haven't we all had to do that? And saying to the gentleman there, this is the color that the lady of the house wants to paint that room. Most women don't ever want the standard color. They want something that has to be mixed. And he'll go over there and get a base gallon of paint that has no pigment in it. He'll take it over there on the table and set it under a, a uh, spindle that has several canisters of paint, different colors. He'll take the lid off of that thing, and the first color he squirts in there, if you don't know the difference, it'll throw you off base quick. Because you'll know what color you're supposed to get in the first color. There is one color that goes in every color. I don't care if it's white. You know what color that is? It's black. 
First thing they'll do is slide that can over there and you're wanting a light blue and they'll squirt a dark black in there. Now if you don't understand that, what you'll think is uh, they just hired this guy. He don't know what he's doing. And then he'll be a whistling like he knows what he's doing. Spin that spindle around. He'll stop at a bright yellow. And he'll squirt that in there. And you're thinking yellow and black. Ah, that can't be right. Then he'll spin it around, maybe squirt a real bright red in there. And by the time he's done the squirting, you know he's confused about what color you want. But yet, he'll take a rubber mounted, he'll put the lid on that thing. He'll take it over there and put it in the shaker and let it shake. He'll get a sticker and he'll write down the formula. When it gets done, he'll get it out and he'll put that sticker on top of it. He'll walk over on that table and he has the audacity to set it down. He'll put a wooden stir stick on there and a bucket opener and he'll say, is there anything else? And you'll look at him and say, sir, if you don't mind, would you take the lid off of that thing? I've drove 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I got to make sure I've got what needs, what I need as far as the color, and I want you to take this chart and see if it's the right color. He'll say, yes, sir. Take the lid off of that thing. He'll take that stir stick paddle and put it about an inch or two down in there. He'll take the blow dryer and he'll blow it dry. Then he'll hold it up to that color that you want. And much to your amazement, he will have taken all the colors you didn't want, put them in a bucket, shook them up, and brought out the one color that you did want. Hallelujah. And somebody said, well, what's God doing in my life? How come he's squirting all them colors in there that I didn't believe I was going to have to be, uh, have to go through and have to go through those times? Said, Lord, don't do that. And God just squirted in there anyway. Then he'll spin you around, your little days. Then he'll squirt something else in it. Say, "Oh God, I mean, look, I got saved, and I, I, I didn't know I was going to have to go." And then he just keeps on squirting like he knows what he's doing. Right. Then he'll put the lid on you and hand you to the Holy Ghost, and you're really in trouble. Then <laughs> spin your world upside down. You think he's messed everything up, but one of these days in glory. He'll take the lid off of your life and my life and you'll be amazed at how he allowed all of those experiences that you didn't want into your life so he could bring you to the place that you would be like the one you wanted to be like. Hallelujah. He's allowing suffering to make you like Jesus. Suffering is so vital. It's such a, an important truth of the word of God. I'm not asking you to ask God to let you suffer. I'm just saying when he does, embrace it and thank him for it. And understand that the reason why you're suffering is that it'll let you into somebody else's world. It'll let somebody else into your world and it'll let you into his world. Amen. I want to say to you lastly, this matter of suffering that saves, suffering that saves, prepares all of us for another world. We're headed home. And I like what Paul said in Romans 8 verse 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, if so be that we suffer with him, that we also might be glorified together. Hey, he ain't going to be the only one in heaven that suffered. Everybody that's going to be there will have suffered a measure in this world. Heaven's going to be a gathering of sufferers but all the glory that's going to come out of the suffering. He said in verse 19, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. On one side you got suffering. 
on the other side and the only thing on the other side. Are you hearing me? <laughs> on one side, you've got pain. You've got prison. You've got rejection. You've got loneliness. I'm going to tell you, you've got heartache. On one side, you've got suffering. But on the other side, there's only one thing on the other side. You've got glory. Doxology. A time of praise. Hallelujah. So what God's doing over here is he's squeezing all the devil and the world out of you to get you ready for the country thank God of which there's going to be total and nothing but glory oh the songwriter said that will be glory for me you see he was uh, preparing a land for the people as far as the promised land was concerned in the Old Testament. But at the same time that he was preparing a land for a people, he was preparing a people for a land. He wasn't going to go down there into Egypt and them partying and having a great time and saying to them, I got a promised land for you, and them saying, A what? I never heard of that. I don't believe I need one of them, do you, honey? Man, I'm going to tell you, we're having a great time down here. I mean, the king loves us. The people loves us. It's just a wonderful world. <laughs> no, 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 no. He ain't going to do that. He's going to turn all hell loose down there. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible said he even caused the Egyptians to hate the children of Israel. And the pressure was on. So much so that before he ever headed in there with Moses, they were crying to get out. They wanted some relief. And so he sent Moses in there, and thank God they were willing to get out of there, and they were headed to a promised land. He wanted them to want what he had ready for them. What he'll do is he'll leave you in this old world and he'll send the aches and the pains and the sorrows and the dismays and some darkness. And the older you get. Now I'm 63. I know I still look 62. Appreciate it. And somebody asked me before I turned 60, right before I turned, they said, when did you feel like you was getting old? I said, what are you talking about? I don't feel like I'm getting old. And then I turned 60. I feel like I'm getting old. I mean, I've always had this psoriasis, and when I'd go to the doctor, they'd say, are you hurting? I'd say, no, they said, you will, because what comes with it is erratic arthritis. And as bad as your psoriasis is, that's how bad your arthritis is going to be. Well, psoriasis covers my body, but don't worry, it ain't catching unless you shake hands. So it'd be all right. And so I started waking up when I couldn't get out of bed. I, I, it takes me a while to get going. And riding in the truck, when I get out, it's like I got to get new legs. By the way, I felt a little better the last day or two. But here's what I'm, here's what I'm telling you. With every ache and pain, what I know is there's a land that is fairer than day. Hallelujah. And I'm headed for a country. And this old world is not my home. Hallelujah. The angels beckon me. I'm a headed to a country where there's nothing, 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 nothing but glory. Amen. You think you've seen glory here. By the way, you analyze your worship and you'll find out even in your singing that you're singing out of suffering and it brings glory. Every one of your songs will have something to do with either the sufferings of Christ or something you're going through. And then it magnifies him and here comes glory. Amen. Here comes glory. 
So for every little, oh, did you feel that? Oh, oh, I'm glad one of these days this old body's going to be laid down. I'm glad for a day when it's going to be not suffering. But understand, in this world, the only way he can get you ready for glory is God will let you suffer. I love to hear the old songs and hymns that the black slave owners, slaves, sang when they was in slavery because it was in their suffering that God brought out so much glory. So much glory. I love the songs of Fanny Crosby because out of her suffering there's just so much glory. So much glory. And what God's going to do he ain't going to pick and choose. He ain't going to say, well, now, now I, got, I got a little suffering for you, but don't worry about it. You won't have to suffer your whole life. I'm going to spoil you, and you're going to be okay too, but now I got to, no, 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 no. All his children get the privilege because it's called a gift that we not only reign with him, but we also oh, suffer. Hey, I ain't no gloom and doom preacher, but the way it's looking in America, there may be a tidal wave of suffering coming toward the church to hurry up and get us ready. But understand if it does. Understand if it does. All it's doing is letting us be able to enter into somebody else's world and let others enter into our world and let us enter into his world and it's going to prepare us or another world. What carried Joseph through? He just kept a thinking. He wasn't thinking, he was thinking. What carried Joseph through? He is waiting. They that wait upon the Lord. What carried Joseph through? He embraced his suffering. To the glory of God. Let's stand. Paul said it this way, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory. Glory in what? In mine infirmities. Because really, when it gets down to it, that's where the glory is. Matter of fact, I can't tell that it's anywhere else. He squeezes out the glory in the midst of our suffering.